sitting back talking about cars. Man, we started watching that show on HBO Max, um, Something Murders, that had Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. It's five years old or something, but and it's got them. And I, I keep watching that going, if Matthew McConaughey wasn't alive, who the hell would play the roles Matthew McConaughey plays? <laughs> Uh, there's some second-rate Matthew McConaughey out there that keeps losing jobs to him. It'd just be that guy. The roles he does, I mean, he owns, and I don't understand. I mean, I could probably do with a different Lincoln spokesman, but then again, he's the, he is the Lincoln lawyer. So, <laughs> see, I was able to bring that intro back to cars. Everybody, Derek and I are gonna dump into a topic, and then we've got some big no driving glove news right after this. So, you want to talk about cars? Ferrari, GTO, Bentley, CRX, and even down to your great granddad's peerless. Welcome to No Driving Gloves, the Car Talk Authority, where experience, knowledge, and controversy share the same. Enjoy the ride. Now your hosts, John and Derek. We're back. We're ready. We're live. Well, we're live right now. You're listening to a recording. We were live when we recorded this. How are you doing this morning, Derek? You know, this morning, John, I'm doing really good. Uh, It's a great day. Temperatures are warming up here in, in Kentucky, so... A little bit of rain. It's very wet. That's unfortunate, but no, I'm doing good. It's been kind of a, a crazy week, I think, for both of us, uh, John, and hopefully things are, are turning around and things are going to get back to normal. So how are you doing? Same as you, because I, I actually spent a lot of my week in Tennessee, so <laughs> I was very similar to... Uh, your weather, at least it wasn't the ice skating rink we had down here two weeks ago. And as a public service announcement to the Alabama DOT, possibly even the Tennessee Department of Transportation, 20 salt trucks for the whole state wouldn't be a bad idea. Because do you realize the amount of tax revenue you lost in one day of this year's mini snowmageddon would have paid for those. And I know Huntsville was shut down for a week. Birmingham was shut down for two days or something. You, you could have allocated those 20 trucks as needed throughout the state and at least kept the main arteries rolling. I'm not saying all of us need to get to work. The number of people traveling especially long-haul truckers that need to get from the ports of Alabama to the north or vice versa coming down from, you know, the north into Alabama, Florida. They need to get through, and it would be nice to be able at least to put a salt truck on an interstate once in a while and uh, allow the cars of the south to rust like everywhere else. PSA done. 
Yeah, and then think about it. If you allow the cars to rust from the salt you're putting on the road, then body shops have more work, hence more sales tax. I mean, you can make this thing a giant circle. Well, I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking new car sales because they rust away. And then the cars oh, that yeah, you car that do survive become more valuable. See, there's there's a whole whole, whole benefit to this whole thing. Well, yeah, I guess you, you've you got it right, John, because if they rust away, then they're going to new cars. See, when they don't salt, then body shops get more work because the cars spin out and smash into each other. So I guess it's a, you'd have to do the numbers, which which brings in more money. Well, I think they also attributed, and it was really funny. I heard, you know, 92 deaths here, and then this state had 63, but this other state had 72, and 63 and 72 don't add up to 92. You know, one or two people might live, <laughs> live a little bit longer. But that's it. You know, that's that's no driving gloves sol- solving the weather problem. And that would be a gloves-on approach because it, it got damn cold here and for those of you in the north and that that i mean our wind chill was still warmer than a lot of your static temperatures getting into illinois michigan anything above the mason dixon line yeah it was actually interesting i actually uh, talked to my parents one day during that and it was actually wind chill wise it was actually about two degrees colder here than it was in michigan that that day i was talking to my parents so that one was interesting i was talking to my parents and i believe their temperature was negative four static that was before they included wind chill and I was complaining that it was cold because it was like nine here with wind chill. Really, I think when it gets that cold, does it does the temperature really matter anymore? I mean, it's just cold. Fifteen degrees, eighty-five to a hundred isn't that big of a swing to me. Nine to negative four, that's a big swing. <laughs> I'm I might actually put two pair of underwear on or something at that point. <laughs> So we were going to talk about cars, weren't we? We we started. We talked about Matthew McConaughey being in the Lincoln Lawyer. I actually think we were going to talk about. Let's just, let's just not talk about John's underwear. <laughs> I think we were going to talk about. It's going to be a little about us, but it's about you too. Maybe it'll make you reflect. We're going to kind of reflect on. Derek was telling me he was asked a question, and it was. Is he a museum guy or is he a car guy? And made me think, am I a mu- museum guy? Am I a car guy? Am I an artifact guy? Am I a mechanical guy? What brings me to this? You know, what do I enjoy about this hobby? And we've touched on it on episodes before. Even the term car guy, is that an appropriate term? Because it has a certain connotation. You use certain words and you get certain pictures. And car guys, I think for Derek and I, pop up with the same picture of, and, you know, I want to say muscle car, wife beater, muscular guy, dirty and greasy, smoking a cigarette. That's not every car guy. And I think that's why, is a car people the term or car person more acceptable? Yeah. Plus, it's also more encompassing because... 
you know, we've had the Fem Canic on here before with her podcast, and her show is all about female persona in the automobile world. Not every woman in the car world is Linda Vaughn, Courtney Hansen. Uh, now, I'm not listing car people. I'm I'm listing listing the eye candy we always use. Christy Lee, you know, Christy Lee, Courtney Hansen are kind of. I guess that's the three generations. You go Linda Vaughn, you go Courtney Hansen, and then you jump into Christy Lee's kind of the newer newer one. You know, these uh, well built, uh, very streamlined bodies. You know, that's why I'm saying car person is a better term. We're kind of going to reflect on what we are as, a, as car people. You know, we want you to reflect on what you think of as car people. What draws you to the hobby? What, what are your interests? And part of these questions will come in our, we're going to do a little second part. And you need to stick around for the second part because we're going to talk a little bit of history. And very interesting, pertinent history to a no driving gloves listener. John, to to carry on what you're kind of the path you're going down here, uh, the highway on ramp, if you will. Yeah. So I was asked that question, right? Are you are you a museum guy? Are you a car guy? And we've, like John said, we've talked about that on the the show before. And you know, in my career, yeah, I'm 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 a museum professional before anything else. You know, I want to live up to the standards. Uh, of the museum profession and the you know the best practices that we can have in the in the museum world but i also work in automotive museums because i have a passion for automobiles automotive history and the history of technology in general to me if i'm talking you know in an interview at work which this was what when this happened you know i'm going i'm always going to say i'm the i'm the museum professional first then the car person uh, in my hobby, I'm 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 a car person, but we all have different reasons why we are in this hobby, why we come to enjoy vehicles, right? And and we all have different interests within the hobby, right? Take you know me and John as the example here, right? I am really a, a early car guy, pre pre-war pre-world war ii if i had my druthers and and a lot of money i would definitely be more of a pre-world war one guy uh, i'm lucky to have a couple of those cars but you know there's there's a lot more i'd love to have if i had deeper pockets whereas john uh you know he has varied interests from me right um you know, the truck scene that he's into the, you know, probably one of the most knowledgeable Lotus guys there are, uh, you know, I mean, he has varied interests that aren't pre-war cars, but yet we are friends and we co-host this podcast because we have a general love of the automobile, even though we have different interests within the history of that vehicle. And there are guys out there and, and ladies out there that are into supercars, right? Modern supercars. But when we all come together, we all have one general interest, which is automobiles and vehicles, right? And and we can all share a conversation and discuss the, the major topics that are happening in this world. I think that's one of the great things about No Driving Gloves is that we can bring those different worlds together. 
think you're exactly right uh, on that is that there is so much to this hobby and so many varied interests interests and nuances that we all can be different but it's that old saying that goes with so many car clubs and that the car itself brings us together the people keep us coming back and i think if we were all the very same guy i mean if we were all camaro people no offense to Camaro people. We would get bored if we always talked about Camaro. If Camaro was the only car on the planet, you'd get bored. But what makes the hobby interesting is that there is a Mustang, that there is a Corvette, that there is a BMW M4 or M3, depending how old you are. The competition, the varied little things about it. I mean... Even if the world was Camaros and Priuses, that would at least be able to, you'd be able to strike up conversation. And part of it is we're humans and we all like a little conflict and we all like to be a little bit right. And that's if ever everything was the same, if everybody got into the same white Apple car and buzzed along or Google car and buzzed along, it wouldn't be interesting. and. Not to, we're not going to go there and don't let me go there, Derek. But that's the future every one of us car people dread is we lose our individuality with our cars. And that's what makes cars so exciting to so many is that individuality. Everybody has their different aspects to bring to it. I like what you're, you know, not only do we have our different interests, right, from supercars to brass era to Lotus race cars to Lotus street cars, to, you know, all these different things. But even then, when you get inside of that, you know, you think about individuality is, the, is one of the big things because outside of, you know, those that are like me, where I like pre-war cars and I like them to be either preserved or restored to exactly what they were when they came, you know, from the factory when they were made. There's also guys that like to hot rod those cars and do their own thing. I mean, our former co-host, Will Posey, you know, he's all about making cars individual statements. So that breaks that niche down even further because you can break out even more individuality within that that one type of vehicle that you like you know you take you know the the full-size truck world right and i love trucks and where i come from it's all about lifting them you know four-wheel drive off-roading other places it's about you know slamming them to the ground and low you know lowering them and unfortunately in some places it's about what they call the carolina lean or whatever it is where it looks like it's a dog Squat. scooting its butt across the floor um yeah whatever it is it's it's honestly that might be the worst trend in the automotive world i'm i'm uh, it, from my perspective okay uh but well the only tr the only trend that i think damages vehicles more is demolition yeah derby. but demolition derby's awesome so I, I just wanted to get that in there because you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's also a hobby of individuality, even though we are all individual in, in what we like and maybe what we do with our cars, we still come together over it. What draws you to cars, Derek? And that's a very, very open-end question, but. 
We know well, sometimes we, if they're steel magnets. <laughs> um, no, as I say, we know you're a museum person. We know you're enthralled with history. We know you love mechanical things. We know you love finding out how things work. What brings you to the car? What, why is that the focus of your hobby? I know you have other hobbies, uh, as do I, but let's start. Where, why do you think that might be? Why do you think it's the car? Why it isn't your passion, airplanes or trains or? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just start with an easy know. one there. Yeah, start with the easy question. I think you know, I had the good fortune of growing up with a father who restored cars. I shouldn't say restored, restores cars. He's still restoring cars to this day. And so from a young age, I was able to see a wide variety of automobiles. And that was from everything from the 1937 Ford that was sitting in the back of the shop that was, you know, dad bought really one of the first old cars dad ever bought back in right after he graduated high school. And I think if I, if I were to look back and think about what was going on in my mind as I was growing up, number one, it was the fact that I was so enthralled with the fact that these old cars looked nothing like what was on the road when I was growing up. And I think that immediately got my attention and made me start wondering about how automobiles, but things in general develop over time. Why have things changed so much? Like, you know, this to me, that 37 Ford and, you know, some of the other vehicles I had the opportunity to see within private collections that my dad was, you know, working on for the owners, you know, brass era cars, 30s, 40s, 50s era cars, you know, you see these transitions of, of styling and, and even within the mechanicals of them. Just from a very early age, it it intrigued me of, well, how did this develop? How did this, you know, how did they figure out how to make things different and, and change this and change that? And you can look at that in almost any industry, right? But the automobile is so prolific in our society that you you see them every day i mean there's they're just a part of life now right they're they're a machine that we pretty much cannot live without so i i i just think that opportunity of being around them at a young age and starting to question why why they look different over time why 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 is the engine in this one uh, uh, only a four cylinder and and how did we wind up with this V8 in this car and and this and and that's different and i think that just kind of really got my mind wondering about a lot of things asking a lot of questions about how you know things have developed and how it's impacted the world and and all these things so you know i think that was the initial kind of introduction and and draw to it but then as i you know got older could work on the vehicles more you know actually had the ability to turn a wrench and and do the things that i needed to do in the shop 
then it started to become much more about understanding the mechanicals and well, okay, yeah, we developed and, and advanced over time, but how did we do it? You know, how how did we develop the pistons and the connecting rods and the crank and the gears and the this and the that? And so then my mind really got into the how in the world does this thing work? And I think what I find the reason that I am so interested in the pre-war era, let's say the you know, the dawn of the automobile in the 1800s up until World War II is because that is the period where the auto barons and the early designers and engineers are figuring things out. And you see this progression of advancement. And and really, honestly, pretty pretty damn quickly you see advancement in that period of figuring out exactly how to make this thing a perfect machine and to be honest by the 1930s the late 20s and early 30s you pretty much have the advanced automobile you pretty much have the car we have today just without electronics they had things figured out to where we had V8 engines, we had, you know, a car you could get in in New York and drive to California really with not a lot of problems. And so I find that extremely interesting the experimentation that's done at that time with different engine designs, you know, two-stroke, four-stroke, sleeve valve, diesel, all the things that were being experimented with. I mean, even down to electric and hybrid. I, I, I preach that on the show a lot. Electrics and hi- Electric vehicles and hybrids have been around since the earliest days of the automobile. I think that really is what gets me excited and interested in that period of the automobile. And this is the portion of the show where John has walked away, and now we wait in silence for him to return, likely from the bathroom. Because remember, we aren't getting younger, folks. We're all getting older. And John drinks way too much Diet Mountain Dew. Welcome back, John. I uh, finished up right as you walked away, and then I left you a little... uh, Easter egg surprise there in the middle while you were gone. <laughs> I'm sorry. I remember I'm not editing this one. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Couldn't take it anymore. You're going a little long winded there, Derek. And I had to step away for a second without warning. Literally, as you walked away, I ended my discussion. And, but you're, what you were saying is exactly what I said. There is so much about a car there's all those little things that are changed over time all those little changes that continue to happen all those major changes that continue to happen the changes that continually repeat themselves as time goes on it's not why i'm drawn to the cars but I know that, you know, that I can see, you know, being the historian, being the technical person and liking all the little bits. 
I mean, I want to know how a car works and how everything works together. But I'm somebody who is, I think, has always been drawn more to the styling, uh, the way things look. Hence, like you said, I like the lowrider mini truck scene. It's because they look different and there's the individuality about them. Some lower mini trucks are absolutely hideous. I mean, I'm not a big fan of 26-inch wheels on a Toyota that's lowered so far, you know, that scrapes and lays frame, as they say, and the wheels stick up through, you know, above the bed. I don't like that. I'm a big fan of a static drop lowered truck that you can still use, still functional, but it looks the same all the time. You know, going back to some of the earliest cars I ever liked, needless to say, they were the six-foot pictures of the Lamborghini on the wall or the Testarossa on the wall, things like that. And then I began to learn a little bit of history. And the Ferrari 512BB, wow, history, Testarossa, its predecessor model. And then I think, you know, Miami Vice might have been the first really retro car Ferrari Daytona. Oh, wait. Predecessor to the Ferrari 512. There's this thing that rolls along. And then I started to really learn about, I guess, I like small sports cars. I like having fun. I like the joy. I like cornering. I like some of the driving about it. But I don't want the intense competition of racing. I want a car to be fun. Racing makes it work. It makes it stress. You worry about winning. You worry about what this is going to cost. You worry about, you worry about, you worry about. No, I go hop in something small, whether it be when I had my Caterham or my Porsche or my Mini now or my CRXs of the past or, you know, my convertible pickups. I'm going out and I'm having a good time and I don't have to worry about competing with anybody else except back in my early 20s when I was competing with everybody else for the girl. Uh, You know, there's always got to be a reward in the end. Now that I'm older and in my 50s, the reward is that driving experience. And that's what turns me on about cars is they take you, they transport you to a different world, to to a, a different place. I love it. And when I drive out to the lake house and I get, I love taking the mini. I love putting the dual clutch transmission into manual mode and being able to upshift and get the little gurgle out of the exhaust, a little backfire using the transmission to slow down and, you know, accelerate and, uh, you know, just doing the little twisty roads and having that little bit of time. What's even better is coming home. Because it's usually dusk or dark and, you know, the deer terrify me. But just to be in that zone, to be there, the only thing that'd be better is if my car was a convertible. You know, that's one of the things I really miss miss about my Boxster is nothing beats putting that top down and going on a Sunday drive. Uh, So to me, it's the visceral feelings. You know, when I got rid of the Caterham, and I got the Boxster. I hated the Boxster because it wasn't visceral. Now that I'm older and I've had, say, the Mini Cooper for a while, I really miss the Boxster because 
it was more comfortable than the caterham, but more visceral, or excuse me, more visceral than the mini. So to me, it's that what I feel inside, what the where the cars transport me to, they take me elsewhere. It's very specific because, as I've said for the last year, I've got this Fiesta that I drive every day for work. You know, it's my work car. I put 4,000 miles on it a month. And guess what? Now when I'm going somewhere with a purpose, that it's strictly work, it's a shopping trip or something, 90% of the time I'll get in the Fiesta. The other day, it was a little exception. It had been rainy. It had been snowy, but the weather was good. Uh, the Mini hadn't been driven in a few days. She had been driving her main car. I'd been driving the Fiesta and traveling. I got in the Mini, and I had a really good time driving it, just running up to Target, running to the Apple Store, bouncing around a couple little places. And then... Yesterday, she had the same feeling, and my girlfriend is not a car person, but she goes, I want to drive the Mini today because I haven't in about a week because of the weather, etc. And So she drove it all day yesterday, and I rode along, and it's still a nice experience. I hate not having the control of driving, but that's my thing with a car. I like small, nimble, lightweight that transports me somewhere else, that takes me out of it. I mean, some some people love going to the garage and wrenching and getting greasy. I don't like that. I want the car to work. I want the car to start and I want to get in and be transformed or transported somewhere else. I agree with that. And that's that I think that's what I enjoy so much about the early cars is being transported to a different time in the vehicle and and experiencing how people had to drive vehicles back then because nothing is the same on those cars, right? I mean, you go from a a 1919 Model T to my 1919 Chevy 490 and you have to control them completely differently. Throttle, spark advance, you know, shifting. It's all different. The Model T is planetary. The 490 is a sliding gear transmission. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so intriguing and challenging to understand and, and learn those things. And to me, it just gives me a greater appreciation of what the automobile is and what it has done for us as a world. So I, I agree, John, it's, it's, it's just that experience and, and, you know, transporting throughout time and, and also just your, uh, in my opinion, transporting your, uh, your mood, I guess I'll call it in some ways, you know, you might be having a bad day, but John goes and jumps in the mini and puts it in manual mode and has a little fun. Well, you know, by the time he's done, he's in a good mood. So there's so much that can happen just being with an automobile and enjoying it. That's a quick little overview or discussion of what drives us and what drives our passion for cars? It's an interesting way to look at it instead of having a big, long four hour conversation of what's the coolest stuff. And don't get me wrong. I like, you know, bigger cars, faster cars. You know, I'm not a huge muscle pony car person, but 
they do have their appeal. Matter of fact, a friend of mine just sent me a picture yesterday. I said, been nice after 12 years. And he said, no, 15 years. Either way, he bought his Grabber Blue 2024 Mustang GT. Absolutely gorgeous car. Been driving him crazy for years. He's wanted one. He's wanted one. He's wanted one. I've always said, just go buy it. You've got the money. You make plenty of money. Hell, his house is paid for. The cars he's been he's been driving have been paid for. And he had one car payment, which was his wife's car. And just go spend your money. And and I don't even and I I would imagine knowing this gentleman, he paid cash for his car. But I don't care about the finances. He finally went out. And after longing, now he's realized the dream. Now we'll find out if having the dream was more fun than having the dream or having the reality, I guess. But each of us have our our passion. And what I was saying is I do, do like his Mustang, too. It's a damn good looking car. We have our passions. We have our, you know, things that change over time. And <clears throat> we like different things. And our interests change, but cars have been of an interest to me since I'm going to really say the day I was born. I've I've said before, and I said actually talking to somebody this week, how long have I been a car, car person? Have I been into cars? When I was in my child, quote, safety seat in 1972, yeah, which... (laughs) Seat might be about the only accurate <laughs> description of that. Safety, child, I don't know. I would cry at every stoplight. The car would come to a stop. No, I wanted the car moving. And we we had a 383 cha- Charger and a Chevelle 396 SS. So I was privileged from the beginning uh, of those cars, of be, you know, being exposed to cool, big muscle cars from the beginning. That may have changed during my life when those cars became a Aspen station wagon, but that's another story for another day. Yeah, but station wagons are cool too. Come on. Which would you rather have today? A 70 Dodge Charger or a 69 Chevelle? I don't care what trim level or a 77 Aspen station wagon. Yeah, the markets dictated that. (laughs) So personally, I might go with the Aspen station wagon. Well, but again, everybody I, knows I'm a little off. Well, I was at a well-born meet a few years back and somebody was there with a Volari, exact same thing. And it was green with the wood grain side, tan interior. And that's what we had. But it was the Aspen SE instead of the Volari. Of course, he had put a three or 318 in it, but still a good looking car. And guess what? He was the only one there with that. There were a lot of 70 chargers, a lot more 68, 69s, but to each another day. But I've been a car person since the day I was born. And I have a feeling Derek can probably tell you a story that far back. I have pictures. I, I have pictures too. I use it as a profile. But where I'm going is some things are very, very consistent in our lives. And some things change. And we're going to try to be very consistent, but change with no driving gloves now. We've been trying a couple of different things, and listenership has proved that some of the stuff we've done recently is successful. And 
some of it has not been so successful. And some of it we miss. And instead of me babbling too much, Derek, you want to give a quick synopsis of what we've talked about doing with the show? And I think it'll make many listeners and former fans of the show, I'll use fans right now, happy. I agree with that because I think we've heard from a few of our listeners that are fans and that uh, they would like us to return to some different formats. And so uh, over the last couple of weeks, John and I have been discussing what we've been doing, where the numbers stand, and you know, also understanding historically where our numbers have stood with the show. And we are prepared to take No Driving Gloves back to a live stream in the evening where many of a, many of you will remember we were for a, a, a good amount of time, uh, even back when Will was on the show. So we are going to be returning No Driving Gloves to the live stream podcast in the evenings. Uh, more details to follow. We have a few things to work out, but the goal of this is to bring the No Driving Gloves listener community back into the show. Uh, for those of you that remember the show back when it was a live stream before, we had live commentary running, and we we miss that, and I think our listeners miss that. And John, I think, agrees with me on that, and that's why we're doing this. So, no driving gloves. Yes, we're a, a, a gloves-off approach to the automotive hobby and industry, but we're about the community as well. We want to build the no driving gloves community basically with what we just talked about on the show. All of us have different interests. Some of our our most you know long term listeners you know still talk to us to this day. We'll get text messages, you know, DMs, whatever they decide how how to get in touch with us. And, you know, they'll ask us, well, I'm, I'm getting rid of my wife's, you know, Mercedes and, and I want to look at a Porsche and what do you guys think? And, you know, John's a little bit in that world more so than I am, but, you know, we still consider these people part of our no driving gloves family and community. And we want to bring them back into the show with the live commentary. And John has some tricks up his sleeve as well about how we can present that live stream. So hopefully that was a quick synopsis for you, John, and maybe you want to go into a little bit of the teasers on how we're going to do the live stream. Now, Der Derek's exactly right. And what we, we found doing and returning to no driving gloves, we've tried to return to my original mission statement of this was the, as Derek said, the gloves off approach to the automotive hobby, where we're going to talk about things. But we're, I'm tired of giving you a two two sided conversation, and I miss that about the live stream. Part of me really, really, really hates doing video. I don't think video is a podcast, but what video allows is the ability to present you a live show allows you to see us to do graphics and put things up. We're still going to try to keep it audio ish. 
you're still going to, the release schedule is going to go to five days a week of automotive shorts. And when we, when we announce the, the, what do I want to say? When we announce the beginning of the live stream, we're going to go to five days of automotive, automotive shorts. And then the video will be released as audio for our audio listeners. And we'll try to remember that there are audio listeners there. But we want that interaction and there's just not a platform that will allow us to be like live radio that's affordable or, affordable or achievable at our level right now. And if we could do live stream radio that you could tune in and listen as we broadcast, it would be great. I looked at some things. We tried some different services and it just never did what I wanted. Nothing worked as well as when we were streaming live to YouTube and Facebook. Probably be the same. YouTube and Facebook. But we definitely want to be there. We we want your opinion. We want you to listen. So if you have opinions, right now we haven't picked out a day. And that's what Derek and I are working on is figuring out that exact schedule because we want to make it very regular, drop dead start time. I'd say drop dead end time, but you know how we get. Let us know what day works better for you to view. I'm not going to say we're going to pick your day because we'll get different days from everybody. But we're going to look at it and say, you know, more people are saying we should be doing this on Tuesday than we should be doing this on Wednesday. Can we make our schedules fit you? And we want, you know, because we want to talk to you. We want this to be for you. We want to hear from you. And that's the only way I know how to do it. And I don't know if that is 9 o'clock on Saturday mornings. I don't know if that's 9 o'clock on Thursday nights. I don't know if that's 8 o'clock on Tuesdays. Let us know what you think. Let Shoot us some emails, producer at nodrivinggloves.com, and tell us, when do you want to watch the show? What do you want to hear about? I mean, the show's for you, and nothing makes me happier than getting your feedback on a topic that you want to hear about. And that's it. I mean, we've been doing this. We've been doing this daily show for a few months now, working out great listenerships up. We've been doing the long, the long show forever now. I mean, we're, we're looking, we're encroaching on our seventh year and Derek and I still enjoy doing this and we want to see where we can go see what happens and go from there. As I've said repeatedly, and I've used the word too much, but it's no driving gloves is for you. It's to feed my ego, but it's to capture your interests and discuss what you want to hear about. Yeah. But I mean, for me, you know, no driving gloves, it's right. It's about the community. It's about, having this area where we can talk about cars and bring together people of varying interests. And, you know, John says a little bit jokingly, a little bit seriously, it's about feeding his ego. Uh, for me, I think it's about a legacy having, you know, 
having people be able to go back and listen to this over time, this will always be out there in the Ethernet. At least we hope it will. Not in the Ethernet, in the ethers. You know, it's also about sharing the knowledge, right? I'm, I'm not only, you know, do I, I work on cars, you know, conserve, restore, whatever term you want to use, but I'm also an automotive historian. And this is a platform where information can be put out and enjoyed and hopefully live on forever well beyond my time here. Well, we're going to try that. There's always the internet archives, but let's uh, see where we go here. Let's get your feedback. This change isn't happening next week. This change is going to be gradual over the next couple of weeks as we do some adjustment and try to get everything put together to, again, provide you the best quality automotive discussion out there. With that, I'm probably going to say... Uh, Good day, everybody. See you next time. Yeah, now I can say get off your ass and go burn some gas because John is out. This show was a part of the No Driving Gloves Network, produced and edited by John Viviani of Magic City Podcast, with voice work by Gary Conger. So until the next exit.